Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. And we're back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 168. 168, I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan... We got uh, we got news in the oil patch, man. We got uh, especially about Oxy. Lots of news came out this week. Uh, Warren Buffett and and several other things. Before we get into it, though, uh, any news, any announcements we need to make? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big big news, big announcements. I've been waiting to been teasing this for a few weeks now. September fifteenth, September fifteenth. Mark your calendars. It is a virtual roundtable discussion with Ellen Wald. Anas Alhaji, David Blackman, and David Ramsen Wood. We will be doing it from 1 to 3 on September 15th. The details, it will not be a free event. It will be a small fee to get into the virtual door. So this is going to be discussing the, the future of the shale industry. So I thought, you know, let's get, get together some of the big names to talk about this stuff and talk about it. So we are, what, uh, what's the 14th? So a month and a day away. Um, it's not going to be a lot. Just a little, just a little, a little money to help put the event on, but we will have all those details out. You can get on LinkedIn. You can email me, whatever. Um, and so it's going to be a two-hour event. Um, and so an hour and a half, roughly, will kind of be the the the, the, the panelists talking. And then we are going to try to leave, hopefully, about thirty minutes to take some questions if we get time uh, towards the end. So that very excited to, to announce that finally, September fifteenth, from one to three central time so y'all are y'all zooming that it's going to be on a probably it's going to be a yeah, virtual but it's not gonna be on zoom i think we have a different platform we're going to use okay. so all of that will be uh in the event details when we um we're kind of release the the event stuff hopefully that, that that'll be out this week so that's uh so anyways so yep so uh a, a week uh a week a month from tomorrow well today's the 14th right so a month from tomorrow yeah. oh no today's the 17th so 17th yeah oh yeah sorry so we're, we're less than a month away so anyways and then um uh, so there's that and then um i just want to say this josh real quick the drilling down this week houston company goes after natural gas near u.s mexico border that's that's the headline but of course, when you go down into the article, the meat of the article, uh, French oil major Total plans to drill three horizontal wells. We're, I mean, we're just drilling, right? Yeah. No, no it, stop. It, no stopping it, us. We're, yeah, there's no stopping us. You know, here we can't stop, won't stop. Drill, baby, drill. The Barnett's back. And so that's exciting. Of course, Sergio is once again burying the lead. I don't know why. I don't know why. So, anyways, so, anyways, that's um, that's what's going on over here. I guess that's all the announcements I got this time. All right. Well, uh, jumping into some of the articles this week, there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out where um, well, we've been talking a little bit about some of the flaring uh, and then uh, EPA maybe tightening down some of the regulations. Well, it looks like EPA is going to rescind methane regulations for oil and gas. Um, this was something that, that I, I wasn't following as closely uh, because what I was seeing was they were going to make it more stringent. You remember, Ron, it, it didn't specify exactly what uh, – no, not more stringent. It was going to be more specific. Um, well, that we, was the Railroad Commission. 
Well, that was a railroad commission on the, EPA. on the, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the EPA is actually coming in now and saying that they're going to loosen up. Um, they're going to rescind some of these rules and I, I guess, and ease some of these regulations. So um, it's, it's definitely not a organized effort from both parties. So it is uh, two organizations that are kind of going in different directions. But it's, inter- it's interesting to see, though, that they are talking about rolling, you know, rescinding some of these regulations to ease some of the, uh, the pain that oil and gas companies are feeling right now. Yeah. So, right. So on one hand, you have the Railroad Commission, which is, you know, saying, hey, we're going to, you know, um, like you said, there's the verbiage about, more specific stuff for flaring and the EPA is looking to roll back some of the Obama era uh, EPA um, methane emissions um, regulation. And, you know, the complaint I've heard about this, some of these things with the EPA is that they, um, they really disproportionately impact the smaller producers, the amount of paperwork um, reporting stuff's got to go in. You know, if you're ExxonMobil or you know, Oxy or whoever, you know, your ability to, to track all this stuff is, is obviously a lot easier. So, um, of course, of course, Greenpeace and the vegan leather back seat people will be upset. And the Center for Political Diversity and Uniformity will be mad. I don't know. Everybody's be mad. But um, I have heard that it is disproportionately impacting the smaller producers. So, and that's generally how our regulation goes, right? I mean, you know. So uh, I know Blackman was not a big fan of these when they came out, which is obviously no surprise either. He's not a big regulation guy. So it's good. Um, prices are low. You know, it's not like we're drilling the crap out of the, out of the formations. So <laughs> let's roll back a little bit of regulation and make it a little bit more cost uh, uh, beneficial for folks to drill. So step in the right direction, in my opinion. All right. So uh, another article came out. Uh, this was, this came out on the 14th. Uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire sells common stock in oxy, Occidental Petroleum. Um, so this was something that we mentioned a long time ago when Oxy's stock prices began to plummet, and and we said we were we were kind of keeping an eye on Berkshire and and what Buffett did because if he's holding on to it, he must be confident that they're going to be able to swing through this thing. Right. He sold a stock, bro. Yeah, I don't know, I know. man. And what you know, a few weeks ago they bought um Colonial, I can't remember who it was. Berkshire bought bought um one of those East Coast pipeline companies. And I, and I said at the time then that maybe this is a sign that uh, that Buffett feels that oil and gas is um you know a good asset to be in despite his oxy stuff. So maybe he's better he's more high on his oxy stuff now. These are from the second quarter. So this he sold this a little a little while ago. So the time when I said it, if I understand the timeline correctly, I had to go back and look, but He'd already sold his oxy stake, but it wouldn't have been public knowledge. Anyways, um, I don't think that necessarily changes my, my opinion, the fact that he went and bought Colonial, but the fact that he sold oxy is not good for oxy. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, not not trying to be Captain Obvious here, but the fact that he he sold it because he didn't sell it. So when what, what was the day of the sale? Do we have the it's, – it was in Q2, right? Somehow I closed that article out, so I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, there it is. So he sold this in, yeah, in the second quarter, okay? So the second quarter is April, May, and June. So he sold it right when things were going bad, 
and didn't believe that they were going to rebound. That's the thing. So it's not necessarily sold it while they were. Um, it's not necessarily that he sold it while things were going bad. That's that's you know, that happens. The fact that he sold it. This has been a deal that what they've been in for what less than a year. Yeah, he hadn't. Yeah, it hadn't been a long. It hadn't been a long thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're still they still owe him the money that he loaned them, so they're sure. still paying that back at a at a steep price. Uh, yeah, it hadn't, it hadn't been long, man. I, I mean, I feel kind of bad for Oxy, man, because they 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 took the they took the swing and it looked like. It looked like it was going to work out. The stock price took a huge hit because, just in general, the the, the stocks weren't taken taken kindly to mergers uh, during the current climate, and then the COVID just absolutely smoked them. I mean, they're down to thirteen ninety two today. What were the, what were they at before they took the Anadarko? Was it sixty? Well, sixty four percent. They've you know they've gone. Um, they're down for over the years so, or down this year. So it's it more than it's, that. I mean, it's it's down. They're down. Uh, well, they're the worst. Point. Think about this. They're the worst performer on the S and P. Man, uh, the S and P Energy Index. Sorry, not S and P, but the S and P Energy Index. And so, you know, if you go look, let me see here. Pull it up here. So you look at Oxy stock. Yes, thirteen seventy eight. So a year ago, it was trading at forty three. Okay. Uh, and then in January, it peaked at 47. Um, and of course, the further, if you go back to 2018. Before Anadarko, it was 60 something, I think. Right. Well, yeah, so, so if you go to 2018, it peaked out around 84, 85. 84. God. Right. Oh. But then since then, it's like you say. So in April of last year, it was at 68, you know. And so, you know, it's just, and then it's up though. It was down to 1023. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I look at it, and it's like, I honestly think they're going to make it. I think they're going to offload some of those assets, especially, I don't know if they got rid of all the, the stuff they had in Africa and, and uh, some other other locations. But if they, uh, they got some good acreage, and they have they have some really, I mean, it, I think they're going to go back up. I just I think it's going to take a little while. I don't know. This might be the death knell for them. I don't know. They uh, one, I, I, well, yeah. Well, Warren selling is, I think, uh, you know, it's perception versus reality, right? So mm-hmm. you have whatever you thought of the Anadarko deal. Think about this: if I'm having a startup and I say, and I come to you want money, and you say, "Who's backing you?" I say, "Well, Bob Smith and Tom Jones and Steve Nichols." You're like, "I don't know any of them dudes." Okay. If I come to you and say, "I need some money," I'm like, uh. Who's backing? Like, well, Bill Gates is in for a million, Buffett's in for a million, Tim Cook's in for a million. You're going to be like, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> let, let me get some of that action. You might ask why they're not wanting to do more, but you're going to be, you're a lot more prone to to, to be a part of the deal. Um, and so the fact that Buffett came in um, from a public knowledge perspective, not maybe not from an you know, institutional investor perspective, it's like okay, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, then of course, you remember Icon was you know raising cane over the deal. Um, so the fact that he's out now, and he it's not like he's exiting oil and gas. He just bought the pipeline. I think again, Colonial. Uh, he just bought he just bought some more assets in the oil and gas industry. So he's out on Oxy. Um, 
I think that's a bad sign for them, um, at least at least from the perception standpoint. And they can't unload those African African assets. That's the other thing that's killed them is I think they were planning to unload them, but you know, COVID hit and they just kind of all that's on hold. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Be curious to see what happens. Um, the fact that he's out so quick, I think, is a is a concerning sign, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, uh, I bet you there ain't many people in the world that want to see the economy open back up in Oxy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There ain't no doubt about that. Hey, speaking of the economy open back up, Nate, I'm going to bring you on here real quick. So we talked about the mask stuff on and off here. Um, you were doing some flying the past week, and you had to wear a mask. Your flight was hour, two hour, three hour. How long was you, your flight? I don't, I don't know if you went uh, down the top or to where you're going or you had a connection. Well, last night's flight was a four-hour flight from Seattle to DFW that got diverted to Oklahoma City. And then we sat on the tarmac for an hour and a half. And then we flew back over the course of about 45 minutes. So all told, it was like a six-and-a-half-hour journey. Mm-hmm. Now, you were going for something that you had to go for. Yeah. So that so you so you wore the mask because you, know, you just had to go do this. You had to go do or take care of some business. Would you go on a vacation with a mask on for a three, four, five hour flight? Are you joking? <laughs> no, I'm no. being serious. No, I would. I would not. Wearing a mask sucks. Yeah, and, and, and especially was, when you're when you're breathing that canned airplane air. Oh man! And like having to smell your own breath. At the same time, just so did you go like the mask, or did you pull the, one of those gaiters up? I had a uh, one of the little cloth masks. You know what I do now? I either have a, the gaiter, or since I'm old and I wear glasses now, I keep I always have a little handkerchief in my bag. If I don't have my mask, I'm gonna take my handkerchief out, and I don't have my glasses in here, but I just take it and I just hook it over my glasses like this, and just walk around like that. Seriously, I mean because there's no one saying what you can and can't do. So that's, that's kind of, been, so if I fly, if I had to fly, I will go with that unless they make me put on a formal mask. I don't know if they're more stringent or not, but we talk about open up the economy. That's what I'm curious. Nate, like someone like yourself who, who just recently had to fly. I haven't flown since the mask policy. And I've said publicly, unless I absolutely had to go somewhere. I'm not planning on flying. Um, so you're saying that, you know, for you and your wife and of course the baby wouldn't count. I wouldn't have to wear a mask, but not, not, not worth it to get on a plane. Babies can't transmit COVID. <laughs> the baby cannot transmit COVID. <laughs> but for you, unless it's necessary, you're, you're not flying. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. And so we talk about open up the economy, Josh. I mean, yeah, th- yeah things like that. I-, I haven't flown because I don't want to wear the mask. Um, I will say when I rig up my little handkerchief deal here, when I loop it over my mask, it's not too bad because then it's not, you know, it's not like wearing a mask. It's just kind of like, you know, but so that's kind of been my strategy to avoid it as best I can. But I mean, would you get on a plane for three, four, five hours with a mask on? Uh, not voluntarily, no. I, I, <laughs> I uh, they got to force me to. Like, I got to be. I don't even like going in an ATV with a mask on. And I like to eat, bro. So I got to get food, but it's. Uh, I avoid it as much as I can. Right. And that's the other thing is you sit there and go. Um, you sit there and go. Okay. Well, when we look at new new demand numbers. Um, I went to Walmart the other day for. Uh, fishing stuff or something. I don't know. And, you know, I had to get some other things for the wife while I was in there. And uh, maybe I went for the wife stuff and I didn't get fishing stuff. I can't, I can't remember how that played out, but <laughs> fishing was definitely, was, was definitely on my mind. And, you know, about 15, 20 minutes in, you're just like, Oh, okay. I'm ready to go. I can get on Amazon, order these baits. 
Oh, gracious. It's just, it's just, it's just a buzzkill. Now, when we think about that, we go, well, we're not fully reopened. So the flying stuff, I think, is going to be shortened. Uh, you're going to have a drop in demand because of what Nate said. But I'm not sure how the demand will play if more people order from Amazon or order, um, and they start ordering delivery at home or stuff like that. You know, how will that play with with demand numbers, and you know, how will that impact things? I'm not exactly sure. Um, so I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if the mask, if we keep the mask, and you got Abbott talking about wearing your mask in the back door. Did y'all see that in your backyard? No. Seriously. Yeah, he said uh, he said he wants you to wear a mask in your backyard if you're having like friends over or something. That's crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I'm just saying, you know, I don't think we're going to open up fully anytime soon. I don't think that's happening. Um, I do think you're right. Oxy needs it. Oil and gas needs it. Um, the prices are up, but the seasonal demand typically goes down in the next few weeks. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. All right. Well, the next article we have is August brings pipeline safety emphasis with 811 Day. So August 11th is known as National 811 Day, which seeks to raise awareness of pipeline safety and the importance of calling 811 before digging. Um, <laughs> it feels like Stephanie should have put this in last week's articles. See, well, this one came out on the 15th. So uh, yeah, I give her a little credit there. That was two days ago. Well, I mean, but it's, but 811 day, day? August 11th, yeah. I mean, Stephanie, what are you doing? Like, you should know what day 811 day is. Call before you dig. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. So, folks, go ahead and prepare. You've got 350-something days to prepare for 811 day. Be safe out there. And this is why Stephanie can't be president. Just just to throw that out there. A lot of Stephanie intern for president 2024. I'm just, just saying. Uh, another article we have, WPX's Energies, uh, Clay Gasper talks Permian Outlook, ESG, and tech. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about BP and how they're putting out there with unnamed sources kind of the direction uh, they're wanting to go as a company. I think ESG is going to play a much bigger role in the next four years than than we would have thought if uh, if Biden wins the presidency. That's going to be a, that's going to be the the major thing that these companies are going to be going to be talking about so i, I imagine at this conference uh clay gasper i bet you know he was not stating that as uh, explicitly but you know saying we need to get ready yeah and i think you know that's the question in my mind is we've talked on the show for quite some time about you know the great point average analogy and how you had to get it up and keep it up and all that stuff. And COVID is kind of reset the timetable now where you know, what's going to happen to these companies, how they're going to survive. Um, and I think now though, Josh, you had to be concerned that this might not be, a, this might be the cycle we just cannot break out of. Um, you know, do you have any reasonable confidence as we sit here on August 17th, 2020, that the economy is going to roar for the next 10 years? I, I mean, I, it's hard to it's hard to think that right now. It could, right? It could, but do you have a reasonable confidence that's going to happen, or do you have more confidence that it's going to struggle the next three to five or six years? You know, and you start thinking about that, and so we're not in, we're not we're not in the post COVID world yet. So, um, 
there's a lot of things being done to prop up the, 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 the financial markets and the economy right now. Um, at some point, things do have to get back to normal and you have to start um, kind of sifting through to see what's going to stick and not. And at that point, you know, what, what's going to happen? And I, I think that I would be concerned if you're worried about a Biden election, you're worried about the COVID, you're worried about shutdowns again, you're worried about anything. I think right now, for one guess, that's our problem is that um, every time we can, I mean, think about it, Josh, we said, okay, we want to get to August to kind of see what happens with OPEC. Well, now we're at August and we're sitting here going, okay, well, we, we, we still don't know when everything's going to open back up. We still got people having to wear masks on planes. Now we've got Biden and Kamala Harris, which is Biden was the best Democratic candidate um, on fracking. But now he's brought in Kamala Harris. And you're like, okay, well, he's got AOC on his uh, environmental team or whatever it is. So now you're going, okay, well, that's going to put some more pressure on the, you know, on the oil and gas industry. And so you start looking at it going, well, hmm, I don't know. And then there's just the reality of how much damage the economy's faced or how much damage the economy's taken over the past, I mean, was it six months now since this COVID stuff started? And, you know, we, we're, to use a kind of a, a fight analogy, we're, we're still in the fight. So we don't actually know how bad we hurt we are until we, we kind of get out of it or, or, or uh, at least take a break. And so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of things, this, this being one of them, that, that, you know, the shell producers and frackers are going to have to uh, be concerned about moving forward is that, you know, how do we navigate these streams at least for the next six months to a year just to kind of go, okay, well, we're, we're through with that. But you know, I mean, what do you think about the economy? You think it's reasonable to assume right now that next, that we'll rebound and be, I know, Hey, we actually got a bet with Nate on this. Don't we? We do. We got a bet with Nate. We, you, Nate, what's the bet that the economy will be back to pre-March levels by November? What's the, the bet? That the economy will have gotten back to the, uh, point that it, that it was at before the government shut everything down by election day. By election day. And how confident are you that you're going to win that bit? Oh, I don't know. Between two and 3%. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel confident in my choice. I can put it that way. I I think, I think the strange thing is how are you going to measure it? Because based on the stocks, Nate would be right. I mean, the stocks are, are looking good, but based unemployment. on unemployment. Hey, that's right. You guys owe me a burger. Hey. <laughs> Listen, I'm always looking for a reason to go to Brahms, win or lose. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. But no one really thinks that the stock market is actually right. I mean, right? You don't, we don't think the stock market is actually a reflection of what's going on in the world. Well, it's a reflection of something. It's a, yeah, the government giving big business a lot of money. <laughs> it's definitely a reflection of that. Uh, and Nate's, Nate, listen, Nate, I understand that you're, you're ponying for, um, for more Fed bailouts so you can get that free burger. I get it. I get it. I respect that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, yeah. Anyways, I don't think the Dear Daddy back. Trump, please send us more money. <laughs> yeah, send it to me directly, please. I don't think that the economy's coming back, you know, by March. I mean, by, uh, by November, you know, and so, you know, what was the price of, let's just go back. What was the price of oil back in, uh, let's just look at a year ago. Let's just see here. So a year ago today. Yeah, I think it should have been like 55, right? Um, let's load up here. $56. Yeah. Okay. $56, which is a workable price for us. Mm-hmm. It's not a great price. No, it's not great, but it works. 
it works, but it's not great. Okay. So, so are we saying, you know, in by all major media outlet accounts and Trump accounts and whatever I think about the economy doesn't really matter. The, the narrative was the economy was doing pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 55 is when we have a good, we have a good, we had a good economy. I know we've got less drilling going on now, but we're at 42 right now. So I don't, I don't think that, I think we're not out of the woods by a long shot on this thing. So, and I hate to be pessimistic. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's not work. There's not opportunities. I'm not saying that those things aren't there. I think that, you know, I'd hope by August we'd kind of have a better, we'd have a more clear picture of where things are going. And I think we're in August. You're sitting there going, hmm, okay. Well, the, the signs aren't great yet that we're out of the woods. Yeah, I think I think you got a couple of things you, you need to know. One is that oil prices are where they are, but uh, the, the we don't know what the Saudis are going to do. We don't know what Russia is going to do. Um, that could very easily. I mean, if oil starts to go up, it looks like they're ready. They're ready to drill too. So I mean, they're as ready as we are. They're feeling the pain of this COVID stuff as much as we are, and uh, and they want relief. And everybody can't get relief at the same time. That's just the best issue. And, and not to mention that, but we need demand. We need demand to go up. So just from an energy perspective, I think we have, I think we're far from being out of the woods. From a, just a, a general economy uh, perspective. Yeah, I, you know, this is a side, an aside here. If if you were, um, you know, the Russians and the Saudis and you really wanted to interfere with our elections, like now is the time. <laughs> Like, just either increase drilling substantially or de- decrease it substantially for the next two or three months. Like, either one would have a, a substantial impact on parts of our economy. So, like that, this is a decide if you really wanted to meddle yeah, in the that, election. That would cost them too much money, you know. They, I, I know. They, they got ten thousand dollars for Facebook ads, but as far as it goes. <laughs> anyway, I just thought. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, you mentioned you mentioned Kamala. We have her in. Uh, in one of these articles, this is from August the 12th. Um, so less than two hours after uh, Kamala Harris was named Joe Biden's running mate, President Trump had cast the California Democrat as an oil industry and fracking foe. Um, and she's she's against fracking, I think, about as bad as Bernie. I think I think she was like uh, on, on the extreme side. And that's something that's something I think Trump's going to play into, uh, and is he's going against Biden because Biden was not anti-fracking, from what I understood. He he was a lot closer to a a moderate on the Democrat and, and the energy, but he's bringing in these people. There's basically cutting out a lot of these people that would normally, I say normally, would consider voting for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I even Speaker can't go Biden and Kamala <laughs> here. I don't believe. You know, Spigner, I ain't heard from that guy in so long. I guess he's just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't know. Um, but um, last time I talked to him, he was done with the oil industry for a while. But you sit there and you go, you're bringing in Kamala. I think AOC I mentioned earlier. You have these people who are definitely against our industry. I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to matter, though, Josh. I, I mean – Here's what I don't know. So when I write the war letter, war room letter news, read the war room newsletter can't speak. I get back the most feedback on Trump and Biden stuff. Most people do not seem to really care what is being said. They are either 
Trump and Biden and Kamala are going to ruin the country or Biden because Trump's going to ruin the country. Like the dividing line, and I don't know what percentage of the actual voting demographic that represents where people are actually settled on who they're going to vote for. And that's why I'm curious to see, um, you know, as, as, as the thing shakes, uh, shakes out. So I don't know. I don't know. I know it's, I know if you're, whatever percentage of the swing votes are and whatever the percentage of the swing votes are that are on oil and gas, um, you know, the, it doesn't matter to them, but is that enough to actually impact the election? Is that enough to actually swing people away from them? I don't know. And it's just so hard to read because um, it seems like if you're on team Trump, you're, you're right or die. If you're on team Harris or I mean team Harris, well, it is team Harris, but team Biden, then you're, uh, <laughs> then you're right or down that team. And um, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you th- I mean, what percentage do you think are actually moderates or not moderates, but are actually undecided right now that are literally undecided? Not many. Not, many. not as many, yeah. Not not as many as you would hope. And so, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do, I do think it's I, I say that. for us, right? Yeah, I was, I was about to say. I mean, the the issue is, is that it's certain things are like, uh, you know, closed hand issues, not not things that are up for debate. So if if you're in the energy industry, um, Kamala Harris, AOC, that may be enough for you to just absolutely. It, you can't be open-minded or, or for other people, there may be moral grounds uh, that, that are yeah. you know, closed down issues for some of the conservatives say, well, I can't go no matter right. what. So, and I think at that, at that point, you know, that, that closes off most minds there. Um, probably and rightly so. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. So I just, I want to say this, I'm, I'm legal age to be president now. <laughs> I'm calling for your vote right here. Mark it down. August seventeenth, I'm formally announcing my, my my run for office, and I will be the write-in ballot the write-in ballot candidate. Is there a party for that? I'll, I'll take that. So if you're undecided, you know you want to live. You're a little late hard. though, right? I think Kanye West is uh is on the write-in ballot for. Mm. Uh, he's he's on there, I think. Mm. Mm. You and him see pretty pretty close eye to eye on most stuff. So <laughs> listen, I'll take his money. I think it's money. Kanye can get me off the right in ballot with a small donation to my campaign. <laughs> I'll take his money. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think, so I guess but my thing is, it's concerning for, for us in the industry with what you see Biden and Kamal, part, uh, Perry and Kamal Harris. Um, what percentage of the voting demographic will actually be concerned about that issue, especially if prices are low? I don't know. Now, if oil is $100 a barrel and we had, you know, we're just, crushing it out here, all kinds of jobs, stuff going on, you know, it might get a little bit more play, but if oil stays in the forties until the election, I'm, I'm not sure that that that's really going to be a persuasive argument for people to go. Um, we should be worried about fracking or drilling or oil and gas when there's larger economic issues at play. Well, uh, we have an article about Kairos Aerospace. Uh, I think we've had them on a couple of times. Um, they just completed a survey of the Permian Basin. This is their 2020 Permian Basin survey. It covered 62,000 oil and gas wells and 25,000 miles of gas pipelines for more than 800 companies, 6,444 square miles in West Texas. Uh, so that is a huge survey that they recently completed, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what what they come out with. You know, I think they they were big on the ducks and and measuring some of that. And uh, I still haven't 
figured out exactly what's going on there yet as far as if it's going to have the impact that they anticipated originally. Yeah. Well, so that's the, that's the, this is kind of the thing that's, that's, that's cool with this stuff is you get a company in here like Kairos or Kairos or Harry Sam, and you know, they're going to come out here and fly the Permian and then they're going to sell the data and issue a, a bazillion reports and, you know, pipelines or methane leaks or ducks or, or whatever. And so it's just going to be a, a, a helpful way for us to understand what's going on out there um, from a different perspective. And so the survey covered 32% of Permian Basin oil and gas wells, representing 36% of the region's oil and gas production. So it's not the, it's not the complete picture, but it is a, a third of basically what's going on out there. You can, you'll, you'll be able to get from this whenever they release this data. I say data, I'd say release it. They're going to obviously charge for it. So whenever, but they'll have some reports and stuff like that. That'll be public information. So we have, um, this was a, this was an interesting article. So uh, this was uh, Conaway trip to Permian made impact on Trump. So while he's out there, uh, this guy, Mike Conaway, um, is a U.S. representative. He said that it was a great trip and that it was impressed upon President Trump that $40 oil was not sufficient to help the industry return to its record-setting production levels. Um so there's a there's a sense in which this this representative believes that Trump better understands the situation of uh, the oil and gas industry in West Texas than than he did before the trip. Uh, that that there's a sense of how dire the situation actually is that was impressed on him. They went on to say, obviously, you know, the rig count dropping from 900 to 200 uh, clearly demonstrates there's a problem. So. That much was clear. Yeah, that's not good. I don't think. No, that's not good. No, that's not good. So I think there is a there's a, a the degree of how much pain there is right now in in West Texas Permian uh, was was pressed on the president, and hopefully um, that'll change some of the rhetoric. Maybe. Yeah. See, I, I I don't buy this, and here's why. So what was it two months ago when Oxy and several of the the big CEOs from oil and gas companies met with Trump? Yeah. Okay, I, I'm sure they explained this to him then. He should have knew. Yeah. Rick Perry, um, Department of Energy should have, you know, I'm not a big Rick Perry guy, but he should at least have some insight and be able to have informed him. He did have Rex Tillerson on his staff for a little while. So um, I think Trump is, is aware that, that it's bad for us. I think Trump's $40 oil is that it helps the economy uh, more broadly. And that kind of goes back to my point a minute ago is, is, you know, banning fracking or rolling back um, you know, more restrictive measures on, on the oil and gas industry. Right now, are people concerned about that? Because, you know, it's like, eh, whatever, you know, price of oil is low. Who really cares? It's not creating a lot of jobs, not really doing much for the economy. So um, from Trump's perspective, if think about this, if oil shot up to a hundred right now, it would hurt the economy. It wouldn't help it. That would help us because it, it's more jobs for us in the industry. But it would, overall, the economy, it would make the economy uh, struggle because it would be more expensive to do things. More expensive for oil, for gasoline, more expensive to for plastics, right? All this stuff become more expensive. So Trump knows what he understands the dynamic here. Um, and so you start advocating for higher oil prices, you, you're advocating for higher consumer prices on various things. Um, which would hurt, which hurt, would hurt the economic recovery. So I think he's aware of what he's saying. Um, does he understand all the intricacies of, you know, the rig count and the prices and all that? Maybe, maybe not, but 
No, I think he knows. That's why he's an advocate for low oil prices. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking. I mean, I think I think this is just more of a talk piece for for Conway. I don't. I don't. Oh yeah, no, no. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, is this uh this this congressman's like I ex- I explain it to him. You know, we you know I. I explained it to him. He under he understands now. All the CEOs of oil and gas companies that met him, they weren't able to convey the message to him. But me, me, your representative, uh, I got I got it for him. Number we got it now. November. All right. So we have a few things to hit in the Texas Roundup. Uh, we have a couple of articles at Oxy. I'm going to pepper th- through some of those here at the end. One thing here, the rig count. We haven't we haven't talked about the rig count a lot because it's just not been great news. Um, that doesn't change the day. It's not great. We're at 244. <laughs> I, I, the way you set that up, I was like, wait, I didn't look at the rig count article. Did it go up? <laughs> you <laughs> no, <laughs> you gave me a false hope there. For I know. I know. Well, man, there's your gift for the week. You had a half a second of hope. <laughs> so we're at 117 uh, rigs in the Permian, uh, 244 in the nation. So, uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, enough, oil, the headline will tell me Richter in the barn out. But go ahead, sorry. By two. Shut <laughs> up, Josh. Uh, so, low cost shale drilling might not boost oil production this time. So, this is an article. If you want to go check it out, it just talks about where the low prices are and kind of gives several factors in. Uh, we'll link that one in the show notes. And last but not least, we have four articles here uh around oxy so this isn't this doesn't include uh buffett's withdrawal so it has a uh, 2q earnings snapshots a second quarter earnings snapshot it says that they reported a second quarter loss of 8.13 billion after reporting a profit in the same period a year earlier it had lost uh, the houston-based company said it lost nine dollars and 12 cents per share um that's a bad second quarter there. Woo. Yeah. Bad second quarter. Um, the next one, it just kind of talks about the money that they lost. And then it says Oxy's lone Permian rig shows severity of shell bust. So, wait, so you, let me read that one more time. Oxy's lone Permian rig shows severity of shell bust. They have a single rig in the Permian. That's what, yeah. that, that's what that says. And, and here's another quote from one of the pieces. The production outlook does not, this is the quote, does not, this quote does not inspire confidence in capital efficiency or in the ability to quote, meet sustaining capital requirements next year. That's Mizu, um, I can't, Mizu, I don't know, Securities USA analyst Vincent Lavaggio um, said, adding that the Occidental needs to finalize a major asset set, which is what we talked about earlier, which is what? No vodka mercury, okay? No vodka mercury. I was just thinking about some of the things we talked about uh, a while back when this COVID stuff started to hit. We were wondering, uh, is Oxy going to be one of the prom queens or one of the drag queens? And uh, she, she might just be a hood rat. <laughs> she ain't getting a call to the prom. I'll tell you that right now. No. She ain't no. getting a call to the prom. Buffett done dumped her. So uh, that's the other thing. Buffett, when Buffett dumps you, everyone else is like, hmm. I need to get tested now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, as we said, they got, they got to make a, they're going to make a sale. And so that's, uh, that's the problem. Chevron. Chevron. Hey, <laughs> we, we called it. Where's, where's Chevy at? They can come in and, mm, 
I wonder, I wonder what they could get it for right now. The whole kit caboodle. Probably less than what they would have paid for Anadarko. They make it. They make it get the buyout money and buy the whole thing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? They bought it all for a billion. <laughs> uh, I was. I mean, being that we off. called that so long ago, I feel like we should get like a cut of that. You know? I think we should uh, definitely get a cut of that. All right. So Oxy to cut debt before boosting oil production. CEO Vicky Hollop says they have to do a significant debt reduction. Is what Vicky said on August the 11th before they start boosting production. Uh, so it says Oxy's output will dip in the third and fourth quarters, and it will end the year pumping about 1.2 million barrels a day of oil and gas, roughly 200,000 barrels less than the year prior. And with that, Brian, I think that wraps us up, man. That's uh, it's not great news for the company. Um, I'd hope to see them do well. Uh, they were kind of the underdog in that deal, and, and they've been if they send us some money, we'll you know for the right price, we'll pump them up like they're great. You know, oh yeah, they can for sponsor the, right the price, show. We'll delete this podcast like it never happened, and then we'll re- we'll re-record a podcast talking about how all the analysts are wrong. So we're mm-hmm. we're available for hire, uh, much cheaper than the one billion dollar buyout you pay Chevron. You know, it's about a quarter of that you can probably get that that kind of marketing from us. Um, so, and seriously, though, September 15th, 1 to 3 p.m., mark your calendars. It'll be a huge event. That's a huge, the biggest event ever. We are going to invent the webinar. We're going, I can't do the drop, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, details will be out on LinkedIn or wherever you can find me on social media this week. Josh, with that, it's good to be back. And yeah, when's, when's our next holiday? What, two weeks to our next holiday? What's a holiday? I don't know what holidays are anymore. Labor Day? Labor Day's, oh, ooh, ooh. we'll see. Here we Whoa. go. One, two, three. Three, three weeks. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be around. So, we'll be around for a few more weeks before we have holiday. You're not, we're taking off Labor Day, right? It's Labor Day. Yeah, we got to take off Labor Day. got to take off Labor Day. No labor on Labor Day. <laughs> we don't support unions, but on Labor Day, we, we do stand with them and stuff like that. So, anyways, we'll be back next week, folks. And until then, keep on.